Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Welcome everyone to Find Your Finish Line presented by Activice, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman. I'm Mike Riley, your host. And this podcast is about you being able to find your finish line, not only at an event or a race, but where we need it the most in life. We have to find our finish lines on a daily basis, don't we? Weekly, monthly, yearly to keep moving forward and keep that positive attitude. And one of the best lessons you can teach yourself in life is to finish what you start. So hopefully our guest today will be able to get you to your next finish line, whether it is at a race or an event. It is my pleasure to welcome Mr. Chris Gethin. Hello, Chris. How are you? I am absolutely uh, feeling great. Really, really good and really happy to be on your show, Mike. It's about time that you had this up and running. So really, really <laughs> glad to be on here. Well, thank you very much for that, and and uh, we, I know you found your finish line, and and as a matter of fact, I was a, I was kind of a naysayer, you know, when you came and did Ironman Coeur d'Alene, but you you hail from Wales, you live in Boise, Idaho, you're an inla- internationally resi- renowned businessman, you uh, are CEO of Cage Muscle Supplements, a personal trainer to thousands, but man. You are an Iron Man and an author of Man of Iron, which I'm going to get into in a little bit. So life is treating you well through the pandemic? Yeah, it's been absolutely great. You know, luckily I'm in uh, Boise, Idaho. So, uh, you know, I've, I've got a lot of outdoors here. I've got a lot of trails. Uh, so I haven't been experiencing what a lot of cities and states and countries have been experiencing. So I've been uh, absolutely blessed to get out into the trails and get a lot of sunlight here. Good for you. And your story is, it's its amazing to me. I, you know, to go from that weightlifting background, which you still have, and decide you want to go 140.6 miles, an endurance event, uh, from, so, so to speak, from the gym outside to the bike, the swim, the run. But before we get into that, tell me about Tell me about the young Chris Gethin, not that you're not young still, but tell me about that youngster you knew before you realized health and fitness was going to be your life's path. Yeah, so I grew up in Wales and I grew up on a farm and uh, from a very young age, from about the age of six years old, I started racing motocross and uh, there wasn't really anything or anybody around me that could tell me much about health and fitness. And it wasn't until I retired from motocross because of injuries and I went to physiotherapy because I went to chiropractors, massage therapists, acupuncture, absolutely everything and nothing that could really alleviate me of the issues that I was dealing from those injuries, specifically my back. And I went to physio and through resistance training, I was alleviated of the pain in my back which led me to get more into weight training and then go to college to study it for three years and in international health and sports therapy. So that's what took me down the track of uh, learning more about health, health span, uh, bodybuilding, something that gave me something else to focus on because I no longer had this adrenaline fixed that my identity had become accustomed to and I needed something else. And instead of like going down the track of drugs and alcohol, and there was a lot of that going on in uh, near where I lived at that time, I uh, thankfully found an avenue and that was, uh, you know, bodybuilding at that time. Well, you know, I, I know 
that was part of the area you were in with drugs and alcohol, and, and you probably saw some of your peers go down that path. So 100%, it was, I want to be in shape. I want to feel better about myself. That's why you chose the, the good road. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, you know, I, I knew that as soon as I started training, I felt better about myself because, like I said, there was drugs and alcohol around me and I was, I'd indulged in that. And it didn't make me feel any good. You know, the Monday through to Friday sucked. Uh, but, you know, I, I had no outlet that I'd been accustomed to. So as soon as I started working out and then eating better and having more energy, more confidence, um, I, I thought, OK, this is my avenue because I am a kind of an all or nothing uh, person. So I just went in head first and uh, just continued to evolve from there, from, you know, from the time that I stepped into the gym. Only a year and a half later, I stepped on stage in a, in a bodybuilding show. Now, you know, I had no idea there was such a thing as drug-free bodybuilding at that time. And I competed in a show that wasn't tested. I had no idea. And uh, I was definitely the smallest person in that event, but I was, I was very, very lean. I just went zero carbs <laughs> for my diet. I didn't know much back then. But then not long after, one year later, I moved to Australia and I, I found out then about drug-free bodybuilding. I thought, okay, then there, there is something for me out here. And uh, that's when I started competing in natural bodybuilding shows uh, because I definitely wanted to be versatile. And health is something that is my priority. I want to increase my health span. I want to live to 100 years old in, in good health. Uh, so I felt, okay, then this is something that I can enjoy and still do other things and be versatile at the same time. Well, Chris, when did that switch come on? You, that, you, you found your passion. Plus, you wanted to be healthy on top of being a bodybuilder, which sometimes the two don't always meet with a lot of men and women. But what was that switch where all of a sudden, I think I can even make a business out of this? Uh, God, you know what? It was probably... In it was probably about 2000 when I was in Australia because I saw my first bodybuilding show and you know within a day within the following day after I landed in Sydney Australia I got myself a job in a gym um, which was called Bodyline that was it Bodyline and um, while I was there you know I, I was just like picking up loose equipment and you know weights from the floor i thought okay I, I, well i'm a personal trainer i'm qualified at that i will use my cardio in the morning to get some trifold leaflets that i made up to post through doors and that's when i started getting more one-on-one -on -one clients and you know i was doing mobile personal training whether it be down at like manly beach or at, around sydney harbor or in people's homes or in the park and, uh, you know, it was a phenomenal way of living coming from Wales where it's always raining. And then here I am training people at 5 a.m. And in between clients, I'm going for a swim or a surf in the ocean. It was just phenomenal. And it was at that time I started getting real good results from clients. And I started using that as my marketing strategy. And like three years later, I went to purchase my very first gym. Uh, to train people out of. And I didn't offer personal training. I only offered 12 and 18 week transformations because I wanted a sense of urgency from my clients. And it was at that point, I'd say that was my pivotal point that I knew, okay, 
it's got to be better if I am my own shop window front and I look uh, healthy and I look like I know what I'm doing. And that's when I decided that I could mix the two and make a career out of it. And you've trained thousands. Uh, some have probably come across your path where you may have thought, I, I don't know if this one can turn around because a lot of people come to you not only in bad shape, but in bad shape because they could have an addiction. They're trying to work through something in life. Uh, do you find it more satisfying, Chris, to be able to work with those types of people where you can actually help turn their entire life around? Without a doubt, without a doubt. I love seeing the transformations, don't get me wrong, from the neck down. But what is more touching and, uh, you know, I, I guess it gives me a form of accountability, but definitely gives me purpose is when you witness the transformation from the neck up. And, you know, that some people, they've lost close loved ones and here they are 11 years later still trying to deal with it. And helping not only people transform their lives, but sometimes save their lives is something that I don't take lightly. And it's something that really gives me the purpose and the platform to feel that, you know what, I'm really lucky to be in this position. Grown up in a farm in Wales, I didn't think I'd be doing this right now, uh, but I'm not gonna give it up. I'm not gonna give it up lightly. You know, this is something that I feel that, you know, on a Saturday and Sunday morning, I'm in my favorite coffee shop working uh, on a computer just for a couple of hours before I have my relaxing day, as it were, uh, because I love it. It's a passion. You don't have to force me to get out of bed. And I'm definitely not one to hit the snooze button because I have that purpose. And, you know, having that transformation that I hear time and time again is phenomenal. And I'm no different than any other trainer. It's just the ones that feel that it's a program that they could probably do for a lifetime is the one that's suitable for them. And if mine is that for them, then, you know, who am I to uh, change their mind? Well, it's, it's kind of humorous when you say you're going to go on with your relaxing day because I've seen your relaxing day. Yeah. And it's about four times more than what any normal person would do. But that's who you are and, and, and we love it. So let's, let's, let's go on that journey. World-class bodybuilder's journey to become an Ironman. Chris, I, you know, I've said this to you before. Uh, when, I, when I saw before Ironman Coeur d'Alene in 2017 that you were training to do the Ironman, I looked at your, your body, your physique, and I'm thinking, wow, to be able to get those arms around on the swim stroke, to be able to get those revolutions going that many times on, you know, that far on the bike and then obviously run. I just don't know. Well, you, you get the court lane and, uh, I had in my mind, I wonder if Chris Gethin is going to finish. It'd be great if he did, but I wonder if he's going to finish. Well, you did with two hours to spare. Uh, and, and I was able to call you an Ironman. First off, why? Why did you want to go from that elite bodybuilder athlete that you were to an endurance athlete? Did you want to prove something to yourself or others or what was it? All of the above, definitely to others because, uh, you know, I've been told quite a number of times and I, there's a lot of people that have this story that you would never achieve this. There's no way that you do, can't do that. You, you don't have the the shape. You're, you're too short or whatever it may be. And uh, I, I really enjoy proving people wrong. And uh, I'm the kind of person like I, I don't want to be working on my strengths. I want to you know, work on my weaknesses when it comes to the physicality in business. I'm completely different. So I, wanna, I don't want to work on my weaknesses. I prefer to delegate that part out. 
But when it comes to your own destination and your own transformation, there's nobody that you can delegate that to. So I'm the kind of person that if you tell me I'm going to suck at something, I'm going to say, sign me up. And this is something that I thought would be very intriguing because I had so many, you know, like endurance athletes or people that like to participate in endurance, but they'd come to me and they'd want to do strength training, powerlifting, bodybuilding, things like that. And they would want to give that up. And I just thought, well, maybe they don't have to give that up. Let's see if there's a possibility where we can be a hybrid athlete. And I'd say, you know, CrossFitters really brought it to the forefront to begin with because these guys are jacked, but they're extremely fit. And sometimes they do, you know, smaller triathlons within some of their events. So I thought, well, let me see if I can do this. I need a sense of urgency. And I spoke to a few people and they said, well, you'd probably need a couple of years to prepare for this. And that's where I thought, well, for my first one, then let me see if I can do it within six months. So within, I believe it was about a month, I did an Olympic distance triathlon. Then I think it was four months in, it was a 70.3 at quarter lane. And then six months after, it was uh, the, the the full Ironman in quarter lane. And uh, I had, I'm an all or nothing character. So I absolutely submerged myself in everything triathlon every magazine every book and your name uh, came up a couple of times in uh, several of those books and i remember thinking i hope i pray that you are the person there that's going to call my name as i go over the finish line and lo and behold it was it was meant to be uh, but i do remember you know thinking because i had a lot of we were documenting this obviously for the book and for the video series man of Ina, bodybuilding.com was recording and i just remember thinking well don't burn out don't go too hard out of the gate uh, because no one's going to remember what time that you finished in, but they will remember if you didn't finish or not. So I did time myself. I had the times from my 70.3 on my hand, and I just remember just taking it a little bit slower on each discipline just to ensure that I had plenty of gas in the tank to cross over that finish line. And luckily I did and went on to do uh, several halves after that because I just now love it. And it's a part of my lifestyle. I love the community. The community aspect is huge. It, it it's it's beautiful. It really is, and I'm glad you you noticed that and you were aware of that because it is a it's a family, no doubt about it, and all encompassing. So I'm I'm glad you're you're a part of it for sure. So in your book, and you had to. I mean, think about it. It's not like, I know you went to some people, how do I train? How do I do this? But you didn't want to lose the strength. You wanted to keep training. But then you started your training in a unilateral fashion where you'd work on one arm, then the other arm, like stroking in the water. Then you'd do something with one leg, then the other leg. And you had to be self-taught to do that. But it ended up working for you, didn't it? Yeah, it definitely worked. You know, to begin with, I went to the labs here at the university to get everything tested. I went a Dexter scan, uh, FTP lactate threshold, and uh, the guys here at Tritown in uh, Boise were absolutely right. phenomenal helping me as well. But, you know, I knew that I had a lot of weaknesses and being 220 pounds quite lean at that at uh, five foot eight i knew that this was going to be a problem and it probably wasn't going to be so much the cycling it would definitely be the running because i've got my mum's uh, bone structure as it were i've got very very skinny ankles and i've torn the tendons in my ankles seven or eight times now so i had to do a lot 
to ensure that I increased the strength of my ankles. You know, a lot of rotation work, a lot of work on, you know, a wobble board or, or, or things like that nature. And a lot of my running was on the trails because I wanted to be forgiving to my weight and my knees and my hips. But I also wanted to increase, like I said, the stability of the connective tissue around my ankles as well. And, uh, you know, the swimming, as everybody says, is the hard part. And it definitely was the hard part for me as well, because I was swimming like a boat. My legs would sink. I've got very big legs. Uh, so working a lot with a lot of floats, um, you know, and just working on the hydrodynamic as opposed to the speed. And at the more that I kept on working with that, the speed eventually came as I started doing a lot of uh, sprints in there. And I didn't want to waste a lot of muscle, as you said. So I would only go long and slow when it came to the weekends. You know, I, I, I would go out for like a 70 or 100 mile bike ride or a longer you know, run. And that longer run would be 8 or 12 uh, miles, but then during the week, I did a lot of high intensity work if I wasn't working on technique, and uh, that would allow me to be efficient with my timing so I could still continue with my bodybuilding training and not overtrain. However, there was a lot of mistakes that I was making in the beginning because I'm a high volume trainer, I like to train with a lot of repetitions, a lot of intensity, and a lot of volume, and I honestly thought that would help me with the endurance aspect uh, because, you know, the more repetitions, the more cadence, you know, it, it, it would relate to each other. But I was checking my HRV every day and I, I noticed that my heart rate variability was just starting to tank and I was definitely overtraining. So as soon as I brought back the volume and uh, a lot of the repetitions in my weight training and then I increased, I, I, I put in another rest day. So halfway through the week, I'd have another rest day away from the gym my HRV was back, I was recovering back and I was uh, recovering much better and I was performing much better with those three disciplines. So uh, there was a bit of trial and error because there was nobody I could really call for who'd, who'd done this before. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I figured out the way eventually. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And, you know, I, I've got to share this with you. When you came out of the water, I remember that. But what I really remember the two-lap ride and you came back through town and I was there at what we call, you know, the hot corner in Coeur d'Alene. I just couldn't believe how pumped up your legs were in the in the cycling shorts. I'm going, oh my gosh, those are the best, biggest legs I've ever seen in a triathlon. But you were spinning those things like like it was nothing. It was, it was a sight to see. Yeah, and that worked to my advantage, believe it or not, actually going at a higher cadence because I did try going at a lower cadence because, again, I thought, well, I've got the strength here. I can push through this. But I would just get such a lactic acid buildup because I had so much uh, muscle mass there, which again would just get pumped with a lot of uh, blood. So it didn't work to my advantage. So the more that I could kind of spin at a higher cadence, I was able to remove myself of the lactic acid and that definitely worked. But in saying that as well, because I was definitely one of the bigger people there, and we talk about the Ironman community. Wow, how supportive were those people? I couldn't believe it. They would, some of them would be passing me, or I'd pass a couple of others, not that many. Uh, but they'd always say something about, you know, God, look at those calves, or they're like <laughs> diamonds, or something like that. But they're all so nice and supportive about it as well. And it was, you know, like I remember on the, you know, because a very hilly course, 
And some of the cyclists would pass me on the uphill, but because of my weight, I'd always pass them on a downhill. (laughs) So it was as if we were, you know, going back and forth with each other, but there was always a conversation that was very lighthearted during the time. And that allowed me not to take it so seriously and really enjoy the process. And I wasn't there to try to be like the best athlete. My goal was to finish and that would be my success and participating. It's taken me a lot of years to realize this because when I was younger, it was just all about competitiveness and being number one. Uh, But I didn't really enjoy the process. Didn't matter if I came first or second. I I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have. But now I'm able to participate in this. I've participated in ultramarathon now and Spartan and now Ironman triathlon and bodybuilding. I enjoy them all equally now. And the camaraderie that you get that allows you to take the pressure off you in Ironman is just phenomenal and something I haven't found in, in, in any other sport. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. As an endurance athlete, you're constantly pushing your body to new limits, searching for your personal best for the next finish line. If you're training for an endurance event, whether short distance or long distance, proper recovery is the key to you unlocking your potential. As the official topical pain relief partner for the Ironman US series, Activice's lineup of topical cooling gel roll-on and spray features 8% menthol and eucalyptus oil to provide the instant icy relief you need to recover smarter and faster. The water-based non-sticky formula withstands sweat to keep up with the demands and exertion of race day. Don't let muscle pain or sprains hold you back from reaching your potential, from reaching your personal best. Shop the Activices lineup on Amazon today for the support you need to find your finish line. Well, why do you think, I, now that you've you're gone from both worlds and we all know that weight training is essential, but why do you think triathletes shy away from weight training? Uh, well, I, I think because, you know, we're, we're extremes of nature and we know that, uh, you know, it's the swim, bike, run is what we've got to train at because that's how we're racing. Bodybuilding is probably the only thing that you do something completely different on the day event to what you practice during the year. You know, you're weight training, you're hitting chest, legs, whatever, but then you don't do any weight training on the day. You're just on stage posing your muscles. But uh, one of the things is that we know, you know, a huge amount of muscle mass is inefficient when it comes to, you know, being uh, hydrodynamic or mobile or light on our feet and lactic acid buildup, it requires a lot more oxygen. So it's like you're training at a higher altitude and it requires a lot more fuel. But I think what a lot of triathletes don't realize is that muscle strength doesn't always have to equate to muscle volume. So of course I was training to be a bodybuilder, not a powerlifter or a strength trained athlete. Uh, So that can contradict each other. But I have since helped uh, quite a few. I'm training uh, several uh, people now for several Ironman events. Uh, And when they actually start increasing their strength and their power, so more explosive nature, that definitely equates to the disciplines, especially when they start to fatigue, you know, because they've worked these disciplines, like I said, in or as you mentioned, in unilateral work that helps you work your posterior chain to be more conscious of your muscle function. It definitely does equate 
to Iron Man or endurance, just as long as you don't volumize those muscles too much that you focus more on strength as opposed to muscle size. Yeah, I, I, it's so important, so vital. And what's amazing, it's, it's like they find religion after they start weight training and go, God, my core is stronger. My, my back isn't sore on the bike. And, and like you say, it's not to build up that mass, but it's to be able to keep the strength and the core strength there, which is, is vital. So what, going through your, your, your life, and I've read a lot about you, and I love following you. Do you think you had a failure in your life, Chris, that probably taught you your biggest lesson, if you want to share that with us? What was it? Well, I've had, <laughs> I've had quite a lot of failures uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in my life, you know. But I'd say that the more recent one that was more profound was, uh, I would say, you know, and this isn't a physical, this is more of a lifestyle, is when I had to get out of the U.S., you know, my uh, my lawyer mm. at the time, my immigration lawyer, had not filed for my extension, unbeknown to me. At that time, I was the editor-in-chief of bodybuilding.com, and they were asking for certain paperwork. And it's like, you know what, something isn't lining up. Mm. So the lawyers there at, uh, at bodybuilding.com investigated my immigration lawyer to realize that I'd nearly spent a year in the U.S., um, without having the proper paperwork, without oh, my extension. Wow. So I literally had 10 days to leave the country because if I was more than a year uh, here illegally, then I would uh, have you know a lifetime ban as a possible 10-year 10, 10 ban. So I got out of the country um, expecting to get back in because I knew a lot of people within the industry and I had all my paperwork. I had been published in magazines all around the world, not only as an athlete, but as a writer and as an ed editor. And I even had my own magazine here as well in the US. And, uh, you know, the first time we went to immigration, we were declined. Second time, third time, fourth time. It was the fifth time a couple of years later oh. that I was accepted. So, you know, I lost, I had investment property over here, obviously I had pets, had my home, had to kind of lose all of that at the time. And of course, you're questioning everything and blaming everybody at the time. But then I just realized uh, when I was eventually allowed to get back into the country, it just made me appreciate the journey so much more. The appreciate the now, being mindful, because of course I was stressing about my future. I was anxious about the past, everything that I'd left here. And I wasn't being present. You know, it was difficult to be present at that time, obviously. But in hindsight, that's why I enjoy everything so much more. I don't put so much pressure on myself. I don't deal with as many injuries because of that pressure as I have in the past. And uh, just to be thankful, you know, I'm in this beautiful country now, beautiful weather. But, you know, it's, it's quite easy for us to take take it for granted. We all do. And, uh, you know, you live at, you know, beautiful San Diego, beautiful beaches there, but sometimes you take them for granted. And I think it just allows, you know, having any sort of setback in life, as long as you acknowledge it, can, you know, work out to be a jewel in the crown for your future and for your present. Yeah, you're so right about that. I was on a ride not long ago with some buddies and we were, we headed to the coast and we were on the coast and I'm looking out the ocean. I slowed down. And I really slowed down almost to a stop. And they kept going. And I just looked out. I go, God, so doggone lucky. Look at the waves. Look at... Finally, I caught them. They go, what are, you, what are you doing? We thought we dropped you. I go, I was just enjoying the ocean. And they looked at me like, what do you mean? And, and you're right. They were taking it for granted. And I just wanted to take a good, hard look at it because we're lucky to, lucky to have it. 
Chris, do you have do you have a mentor? Who inspires you? Um, I'd say, well, I've had various people that have inspired me over the years, you know, from a business aspect. It's usually like, you know, I like Richard Branson. Uh, Mm -hmm. I like Robert Kioski of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because uh, my father read his book. And we grew up on a farm. We didn't have much money at all. My father read his book. And he applied it. You know, not many people read the book and apply them. They, they're just really? students of learning as opposed to students of applying. Yeah, so he then purchased a, a cottage and he did it all up with my help. But I wasn't much help. I was just a kid then, you know. And uh, and then he, you know, got a mortgage out on that one, got another property, another property. And then he had 50 properties uh, that wow. he was then getting residual income. Yeah. So that really got me into that aspect, but that it really inspired me to read, you know, his books. And I'd say he'd be a bit of a mentor and definitely Richard Branson. And uh, there might be somebody, there's somebody that maybe a lot of your listeners hasn't heard of, and that's Henry Rollins. He was the singer of a punk band called Black Flag, and then later the Rollins Band. But then he went on to be an actor, um, an author, a publisher, spoken word, poet, um, you know, all sorts. And I just love the versatility of what he does, but he keeps his pivotal foot in the gym to create that discipline in order for him to have the energy and the output on all these other areas. And I'm not one of the these people that can excel at one thing in business. If I'm reading a book, I'm usually reading three or five books because I'll lose interest, so I need to pick up another. And once I've lost a little bit of interest, I pick there because maybe it's a bit of ADD or something like that. But I know collectively they can excel. So that's why I do all these things. And, uh, that, you know, I kind of got that from Henry Rollins because, you know, some people maybe in school would say, hey, you're a daydreamer, you're easily distracted. But as we get older, we realize that we can use those to our advantages. And, uh, you know, Henry Rollins kind of taught me that. Now I have to look up Henry Lo- Rollins for sure. Let's, let's go before triathlon in your life. And let's say it never it never entered your life or your mind. What kind of person do you think you'd be today if you didn't go through that triathlon experience, that endurance sports experience? I would have been searching for something because I, I like to I like to go out and do a lot of things, you know, whether it be snowboarding, surfing, mountain biking, hiking, whatever. You know, I really like to participate in several things. And I, I, I think maybe because I do enjoy cardio, I, I've, even when I was uh, competing in bodybuilding, I was always doing cardio twice a day. Uh, people didn't, you know, a lot of bodybuilders don't like cardio. They're like static ornaments. But I've always <laughs> liked it because it's a, it's a form of meditation. It's like active meditation for me. I enjoy it. I enjoy my alone time. I'm definitely a loner because... After, you know, uh, motocross, which is an individual sport, never been into team sports. I competed in uh, downhill mountain bike racing, then uh, bodybuilding, and then Ironman triathlon, obviously. And I'd say probably marathon or, you know, like I I did an ultra marathon. I really enjoyed that because, again, it's off-road. It wasn't so much hard work to do on the road, even though it was hard work. I probably would have gone that direction, I think, because I never would have seen myself as a swimmer. But I would say, you know, people say they get a runner's high. Well, I definitely got that as at a swimming because when I got to that part where I thought, wow, I, I think I could just keep swimming and never get tired. 
I would just need food to keep me fueled. That was like a high for me. But I really, really enjoy running because I love being outdoors and I love, uh, you know, especially here in Idaho. I just love the mountains. I love the nature. I love hiking. So running's your favorite cardio workout, you'd say. What's your second favorite? Second favorite uh, for cardio? Out of, I'd definitely say cycling because I love mountain biking and I love road biking. I love both because obviously I'm able to get more miles in on the road bike. I love going over. I've done it a couple of times now where I've gone over to uh, the Oregon border and back. And that's like 108 miles. And I love that creating distance. And it's, it's like a, it's a jewel in a crown. And I love mountain biking as well. I've got to the stage now where I can control myself, where I don't go too extreme. Um, I don't hurt myself anymore. So, you know, I'd say cycling is definitely up there. And I've got a Watt bike in my garage. And, you know, sometimes I just love zoning out on that. I love it. Well, I know you like, you know, from this podcast, people are going, Chris does this, he does this, he does this. Is there any downtime? But you like the party, don't you? I do. I do like to. I do like to party. But you know, I I, I used to party a little bit different to what I do today. But uh, I, I don't mind a little bit of that. But I'd say more than anything, I like a good movie and I like a good book. You know, <laughs> I may look like a party animal with a mohawk and the tattoos, but uh, I'm usually in bed by eight. Yeah, let's the 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 tattoos. Uh, I've seen pictures of you without them, and then obviously you started getting the, the the tats. What do they What do they signify for you? What do they mean to you, Chris? Uh, they're usually they they're reminders. Uh, you know, I have quite a bit of text on me. The 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 design is called Trash Polka. It's from Germany. It's it's mostly black and red. But, you know, for instance, I've got like face fear on my hands. So that reminds me to keep facing my fears. Maybe that fear would be to enter an Ironman triathlon. So I got to face them. Makes you feel good. You know, we always have a reluctance in us. It's like a defense mechanism. And sometimes we just need to push through them to feel good. Um, I have uh, pain as a weakness leaving the body on my back. And, uh, you know, in the gym, you know, you have to find failure in order to find success, you know, with your physique to evolve, to create discipline. So that's what that is. And I've got uh, a couple of others. It says, uh, uh, built to endure what the world throws at me, fighting to succeed. Again, all of these are just reminders, you know, and I guess some people collect shot glasses or uh, magnets when they go overseas. <laughs> I usually like to find a good tattooist and get a, a nice tattoo. But I, I, I think I'm finished now. I think I'm done. Well, I was gonna. I was gonna ask: Is there one in the future? Or do you like one a month, or if you see something cool? <laughs> so even uh, if you see something so cool, you you're not gonna get one. I don't think so. You know, I I've been stuck in a predicament. Like I thought my sister was only gonna have one child, so I had <laughs> her head uh, on 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 my on basically on my rib cage. Since then, she's had two more children, and she keeps pressurizing me, but I, I don't know if I can give in. They're, 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 they're quite uncomfortable there as well. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, Chris, what advice would you give to uh, triathletes and coaches out there trying to work with one another, uh, and especially the coaches? What kind of advice would you give them? Uh, well, f for, the, for the, the clients going to the coach, look, just listen to absolutely everything that they tell you. Like, uh, you know, I, I've seen this in bodybuilding as well, where they will begin to question or doubt their coach. 
look, right. just follow 100% wholeheartedly, especially if they've been there and done it. Like I always say, knowledge without mileage is bullshit. To a certain degree, that is true. Uh, you know, and I, I've got some, like I said, great people here at Tritown and Antonio who owns a place. You know, he's a phenomenal triathlete, so I'm going mm-hmm. to listen to him um, and, and do what he says 100%. Uh, but you've got to give so much feedback because we are individuals at the end of the day. If you can quantify anything such as your heart rate variability, provide that data. It can tell them so much. And, you know, it definitely tells me a lot. And when it comes to the coaches, you know, you have to have an open ear. You know, you can't just give someone a cookie cutter program or look at their physique and think that they're going to work a certain way. It's not that way at all. You need to find out do they have a stressful job because you'd be amazed how much like decision-making fatigue can have an effect on your physical performance. So, you know, feedback, I'd say, is going to be the absolute number one. But enjoy it. You know, when you're going out on that ride, be thankful that you can go out, out on that ride because some people don't have that choice. You know, I lived in, uh, in uh, Mumbai for several years. Mm-hmm. You're not going cycling in the streets of Mumbai. You know, it's impossible. But, you know, we have that available to us or wherever you are that has that availability. You know, be thankful that you can. And again, like there's very few places that has a decent swimming pool in some of these cities. But we have them over here. So take advantage and enjoy the ride. Exactly. So do does uh, does Chris Gethin have a 70.3 or an Ironman in his future or a, any endurance event? Yeah, for sure. You know, I've done several uh, 70.3s. Like I, I really loved uh, St. George. You know, that, that was, I, I really liked uh, that event. Mm-hmm. There's gr- great people there in great city. Uh, but I just tore my tricep. I'm uh, in, a, in a brace here at the moment. <laughs> uh, oh, you so, still uh, have the, I didn't know you, I didn't know you still had the brace on. You still got it on? Yeah, like um, I, I had surgery about six weeks ago, so I've got to continue to have the brace on for a little while. Thankfully, the cast came off after a couple of weeks. That was huge. Uh, but I've got it, I, more than anything, I've got it on as a reminder because I don't have any pain. I don't have any discomfort there. It's only when I get to like a 90 degree flexion that I feel uh, the stretching of the tendons that got reattached. So it's more of a reminder wow. not to use this arm. But I did go out on the mountain bike on Sunday, which is the first time I've ridden a bike, just you know, very, very carefully. And I went for a run with my dog on Sunday. That's the first time I've run because it's the first time I've been able to bend this arm uh, to this month and uh, uh, this much. And I did three miles quite easily. So uh, I thought, okay, at least I've still got my fitness there. So uh, it could be soon. And I think we're going to sign up now for a, a half marathon on Memorial Weekend, which is in Stanley. Beautiful, in in the Sawtooth Mountains. My wife and I have done that several times, and it's a beautiful uh, half half marathon. So may do that, and then I'll start looking to see what we can do after that. But it's baby steps at the moment. I I was snowboarding, (laughs) I ragdolled, and I, I crashed pretty heavily, and my tricep fell off. So it's only just being reattached. Well, you know, it's the good life, but stuff happens, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just another opportunity, you know, and to, just to share the journey and uh, hopefully other people can learn from it. If, you know, even if it's not a tricep injury, you know, the best biohack that we can have to help fix these injuries is the, the attitude towards it, being optimistic, yeah. turning that weakness into your weapon. Yeah, that beats any doctor's advice, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah uh, it does. So on Find Your Finish Line, we have an ending question. 
It's it's uh, part of tri-table topics. It's like sitting around the table or the bench after the race and reminiscing with buddies and friends or loved ones about how the event went. went. So on the tri-table racing, what's your best memory or reminisce you want to talk about on a race that you can give us? Um, okay, well, for me, um, it was, I remember when I was doing the full in uh, Coeur d'Alene, and it's a beautiful lake there in Coeur d'Alene, it's so yeah. clear, but there was a moment there, and I don't know why I got it, it was at towards the end of the first lap, and I just had like a, a, a just a quick shock of anxiety, I deal with a bit of anxiety every now and again, like, you know, like we spoke about our, you know, my relaxing weekend, my relaxing weekend is always doing something. Because if I was to sit down and do nothing, I'd get anxious, really anxious. Um, and I had that when I was getting to the, the the end of the first lap. And the memory for me is I was wearing this Cara. So I wear this all the time. It's I got it from the Golden Temple in India. And uh, one of the charities that I was supporting is the All Girls Orphanage in Jalanda in India. And as I'm swimming, there is a there is a little bit of like seaweed or something that was on on the arm here. But I remember as I'm swimming, I'm looking at this Kara, and I remember thinking, "This is bigger than you. You've got more purpose." to this challenge than yourself and this thankfully i was wearing it as i always do reminded me of that and i feel that's what pulled me out of the lake and allowed <laughs> me to do that other that second lap which i believe i did faster than the first lap so um you know that 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 was the most significant memory to me and uh, you know my parents had flown over obviously that was a, a great moment for me as well and that gave me a form of accountability but this is what I feel kind of pulled me through. Yeah, and one, my great moment was the next day at the Coeur d'Alene Resort in front having a great conversation with you and your wife, uh, getting to know you a little bit better. Uh, and it's been my pleasure uh, being able to call you a friend. So, Chris, before we go, uh, how, what's the best way people can follow you, get a hold of you? You want to give us any social media tags, anything like that, so they can uh, find Chris Gethin? Yeah, for sure. I'll keep it simple. So if they just go to K-R-I-S, Gethin, G-E-T-H-I-N, on my Instagram, Chris Gethin, you can find me there. And uh, if you've got any questions, you can certainly direct me, direct message me there. Well, Chris, it's been an honor having you on Find Your Finish Line. You're finding your finish line every day. And the best part about that is you're pulling so many people along with you and alongside of you, which I think is one of the most admirable things you can do in life. So thank you very much for all you do, and thanks for being on the show, buddy. No, thank you. It's absolutely my honor. I appreciate it, Mike. You, you got it. Everybody, thank you very much for joining us on Find Your Finish Line, and thank you to Activice, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman, as our presenting sponsor. If you enjoyed the show and you want to subscribe to become notified of upcoming shows, you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or on my website, MikeRiley.net. And keep in mind, everybody, use things, not people. Love people, not things. Get to that finish line any way you can. Finish what you start, and your life will be beautiful. As always, my warmest aloha to each and every one of you. We'll see you at the races.